0: This is gonna hurt. hurt. It's time time for the Suffering Suffering Podcast. Podcast. As a child, we have our own views and perspectives on the world around us. We were anxious to see our friends, go outside to play, and enjoy all the benefits that young people have. Seeing the world with innocent eyes and all the possibilities that were in front of us. Imagine growing up in that world without being able to communicate or understand how to express your feelings. Instead of being open to all that life had to offer, you focus on only one thing. Imagine not being able to interact socially with other children around you. We now understand that all children have a different path. Adults are here to guide and instruct, never forgetting that some will look at the world through different eyes. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome Paul Simmons to discuss the suffering of autism, being personally affected by autism. Paul has chosen a different path to help guide others through that journey. Paul, thank you so much for coming in. Hey, thank you guys for having me on your show. Really uh, honored. Before we get into anything, let's throw a big shout-out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody, but we do trust them. Go to toyotahackensack.com and let them find you a car. And your father, your father, learned how to yeah. work his car yet?
1: No, absolutely not. Listen, <laughs> my father can't work it, so he still got a flip phone. Never mind working a car. Get all the new gadgets on it. So
0: please go out and support those who support us. If it's
1: not a Cadillac like Eldorado,
0: my father doesn't know how to work it. Yeah, with the old the old whale boats. <laughs> so, Paul, thank you so much. Uh, you know, you're doing so much. You're a big name in the radio business, and I'm so grateful to have you in here. Plus, we're going to talk about a sus uh, subject that. I know is very near and dear into your heart. And near and dear to me also. I mean, we had a conversation before.
2: Yeah. You know, it's something
1: that pulls up my heartstrings.
2: Well, I can appreciate you supporting it because it's a, obviously it's a huge cause that a lot of people need a lot of help today. Yeah. So,
0: well, the funny thing is is and we'll get into into your personal story, but autism is a is a relatively new concept. I'm talking within the last probably 30 years, but I I don't even know how old you are but when you were growing up there was one kid you can look back on it we're like yeah he was just something was off something yeah, was yeah, off absolutely
1: or like on the spectrum
0: yeah, Ch- yeah and chances are they either had asperger's or autism or something like that and the, you know that's that's just how it was but now that we've identified it they can we can help them live a little bit more of a full life
2: yeah no absolutely like you said i think you know you look back it's like like you said one kid maybe you said nah he was a little off you know yeah. and um, brilliant at certain oh, things, very smart, oh, unbelievable.
0: Uh, so the one kid I'm talking about, it, <clears throat> I, I can't, I won't say his name, but he was the most brilliant engineer. Him and his brothers, they were all the, pretty much the same. The most brilliant engineer. They used to make, they used to take old scrap, and <laughs> they made a bicycle that was like ten foot tall by welding frames together, or they made a go kart out of a lawnmower engine, but it was an electrical yeah. one, so they could only go a hundred feet. But they, they were brilliant with it. Yeah. But other things, yeah. I don't know. I don't struggle
2: know. with a lot of uh, relationships, right? You know, not knowing how to make friends or, yeah, you know, absolutely. They, they struggle a lot with uh, a lot of those
1: but things. But I mean, it, it, their mind works in different ways than ours. You know, like you yeah. said, they, I mean, they, they latch on to one thing. We got this kid in, in a town by me. You, I pulled up next to him one day. A friend a friend of mine told me about him. He goes, tell him your birthday. He'll never forget it. Oh, yeah. So I go up to the kid. I tell him my birthday. He looks at me. Mm-hmm. Go by. Drive down the street. I'll roll down my window. He'll yell out my birthday. He knows everybody's birthday. I mean, it's
0: it's genius. We used to have a kid that memorized the phone book. He he could tell you his phone number. And at first, he thought it was a little creepy. I'm like, oh, that's just John 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 Buckeye. That's what that's that was. I don't even know if John John's still around. So every week, we take a question from our audience. And this week's question comes from Steve underscore M. What is a parent's job beyond raising and providing for your children? This one was perfect. I actually saved this one. We got this one a while ago, and I saved it for you. What do you think a parent's job is beyond the the, the normal stuff that you're legally bound to do? I mean, for
2: me, um, you want to, number one, let your have your children live better lives than you, right? That you want to obviously. Every that's, parent's that's, dream, that's, isn't that's it? That's the dream, right? <laughs> you want them uh, not to struggle maybe as much as you do, right? Um, but I know for like me, is my goal was for my kids to make a better world for the future. Um, you know, and I think that was always reside with me is that I want to see my daughter. Uh, now she's going to be graduating nursing school. Perfect example. Oh. Like she wants to help others. Right. You know, and she wants to really go out there and make a difference. And I think that as parents, we can do that. We can empower our children to do that. I mean, my son, Jonathan, obviously we'll get more into it, but, you know, as not speaking. He is the voice of autism radio. Yeah. Right. So he empowered me to speak about the journey. The driving force. And the driving force behind autism radio. So,
0: Mike, what do you think? You know, <clears throat> besides how to shave.
2: Hey, listen, you look, the
1: hair is growing in. You're just jealous.
2: I am. I'm very jealous. You're just jealous. Mine's
0: going away. Yours is coming back. I don't yeah. know what's going on. <laughs> and I heard you say something the other day about he's got... Little peach fuzz going on him. Yeah, it, it looks yeah. like something else, but it, well, it's getting better this week. It's getting soft better. as a baby's Well, ass. so when I when I first when I first met Mike twenty five years ago or something, you know, he had that he he looked like uh, the high and tight, uh, the gym teacher from Beavis and Butthead with the high and tight and the flat top and everything, and even up until what probably six years ago, he had the same haircut. And then one day he comes in and it's gone. I don't, I
1: don't just, know. What happened. Just didn't like it. Oh, okay. You, know, like I said, you, look, it, you look
0: good. It, hey, oh, thanks, yeah, pal.
1: Yeah. It's starting to go over like right here a little bit, you <laughs> know? And I, I, didn't like, I didn't want to be like Murr from uh, Impractical Jokers, you know, with that just <laughs> oh, oh, bald. So I just, I, but I was in the hospital for four days and I, it, it, it couldn't shave my head. So I just let it grow. So now I'm going to keep it growing. There
0: you go. So I'm what do you think? Put in a ponytail. What do you think? What's a, what's a job of a parent beyond the legalities?
1: I'd, I'd say molding and preparation. You know, you got to mold your kid to be, you know, an all around person, you know, uh, respectful. You know, you don't want your kid to grow up and be that little punk, you know, that everybody's talking about. I mean, that, that's one of the proudest things that I have. Every time I was around town, people would say, your kids are so respectful. And, then, you know, and that's what it is. It's teaching them the right way and it's preparing them for the future. You know, like I you said, you're going to fail. You almost want your kids to, I don't want to say you want your kids to fail. You want them to taste that.
0: You want them to, to taste a little bit of failure. This is true.
1: Just because this they true. don't think that everything is going to be given to them in their lives. Absolutely.
0: You know, I, not everything about the way we were raised was bad. Not everything, nor was everything good. And then it swung so far. The pendulum swung so far. My, I see my position in my kids' lives beyond, you know, feeding them and clothing them and all the all the normal things is – to take those things that, that were good, you know, being respectful, like you said, opening the door. I'm a little old school with that. Yes. Open the door for a woman. Be a if gentleman if you're a guy, right? Yes, be a gentleman be a if you're a lady if you're a lady, right? Right. I teach them that. You know, when we go to church, my, my oldest comes to church with me. There's an elderly lady. I, you know, he'll run out and go grab her purse. And Beautiful. that's like a proud dad moment for Absolute. me. Absolutely. You didn't <laughs> steal it or just grabbed it and brought it in for her? <laughs> he looked through it, <laughs> but there wasn't much in there. So I take the good the lessons that were good- I try to be introspective when it comes to raising children. I take the lessons that are good. And then there's some good things today that I try to work in there. Being accepting, you know, being um, being patient. Where, you know, we were raised I, the way I was raised. I wasn't very accepting and very patient, but that's the way I was brought up. And it yeah. wasn't the right way. So my kids live in a different world with all new different problems than we have. We didn't have social media growing up. And it's a 24-7 bombardment yeah. of information. We went outside and played. But again, I played Nintendo and Atari growing up. So I I, yeah. I let them play video games. But also, like, we go outside. And I, the the joy of the outdoors, the joy of playing sports. You got to like let that. kids be kids. You know? Let
1: them be kids. Let them go Absolutely. through that whole experience. But there has to be a point where you
2: have to teach them what it's like to be an adult. You
1: know? And... and like I said, lay
2: the groundwork for their future. Yeah. I mean, I think when we were kids, you know, mom would say, okay, go to your friends, go out and play, be home for dinner. Mm-hmm. That was it. There was no cell phones, no calling. And call if you were late, nothing. they couldn't call you, you, you. Yeah. But you were home though. Yeah. Because there was a level of respect and I think also fear because the parents definitely put a little bit of fear. It's little, a fine line. Fear, exactly. It's but a fine line. Not
0: a bad thing. No, right? not a bad thing. Um, um, not a, with my kids, my, my 13-year-old, he's six foot tall. All right. There's going to be a time when he's bigger than me. Right. I <laughs> I have to keep that competitive edge. Think, over of him. course. Kick his you ass now. Go to the
2: now. gym. You work out. You keep yourself in shape a little. You know? Kick his ass now. Before you get he's ready big for the to daughter's boyfriends <laughs> too. <laughs> you got to put a little intimidation in them too. That's, That's when oh, you clean
0: the guns. Yeah, he was on. He was on the phone with his girlfriend the other night, and he did a Facetime. And as soon as I walked in his room, the phone went down. And I so I said, "Let me say hi to her." And I made sure I took off my pants, pulled up my black socks, and <laughs> oh god, let's let's do it. Come on, you know and. But anyway, thank you so much, Steve.
1: That court appearance
0: is pending now. Yes. (laughs) yes. Thank you so much, Steve, for sending that one in. Keep sending in your questions. We will try to get them on the air. And don't forget to check out our Patreon. Go to SufferingPodcast.com. There is a link out there. And you get some special content like Mike's Hot Corner, intro reads, and some advanced episodes. Behind-the-scenes stuff. Behind-the-scenes stuff (laughs) is is insane. So, Paul— I know a lot about you. I've done my research about you. But I want you to tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So,
2: uh, you know, born and raised in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, grew up, um, you know, my brother and I are five. And Hillside a half years Hillside or Valleyside? I was Hills. Ah, there you go. So I was Hills. Um, you know, I had an interest in, in culinary arts. I uh, ended up going to CIA, Culinary Institute of America. Was a chef for many, many years. Um, what appealed to you about chef work? Uh, I think it's the physicality, but also the creativity factor. And it was um, it's just being able to I think do something that people enjoy. It's that gratification of like I make you something really nice and you, good, you nothing enjoy beats it, a good meal, you know. And if and, you're uh, the pioneer,
1: of that good meal. <laughs> I you know I
2: grew up with that with my family too. Come from Italian family, you know. Sunday dinner was a big thing, and you know food was always very important. So uh, I, I it was just something that was you know because it's not something that if I was going to tell you. I would talk you out of being a chef, honestly, because honestly, it's not <laughs> it's a, a tough very life. glamorous lifestyle. Uh, you're working twelve hours a day. You're on your feet. You're you're working holidays, weekends. You know, you miss a lot of family you're, functions. You're working when people are going out. That's right. So, but, but right. now
1: now when it comes to family stuff, they want you to cook now. Of course, of
2: course. So even when you're off to it, you so, you know, and I I was lucky enough, (laughs) I've, i made some changes in my career and, you know, I, I went more, um, corporate food service. So I was working more Monday through Friday, had a little more, uh, work-life balance. Um, you know, and then I had my own business for many years, um, did corporate dining, had several locations in Northern New Jersey and, um, you know, and I became a father, right? And I had two kids. I had a daughter, Emily, and I had my son, Jonathan uh, Simmons. He, um, you know, my daughter was born neurotypical, you know, so we raised her. She was very talkative and chatty and everything, right? And then we look at uh, my son, you know, who was diagnosed with autism
0: at the age of, 18 months, basically. How do you you diagnose an 18-month-old with autism? What are the signs? Well, so for him, there was uh, spinning. There was a lot of spinning. He would, you know, spin.
2: He would uh, play with his hair, very, very focused on that. Uh, He would position blocks, you know, line them up. Uh, There was a lot of quirky behaviors he had. um, And also words. He had vocabulary at the time. So this is this is the hard part for me as a father when you talk about suffering, because he was talking, he was developing. We went to the pediatrician, and you know, my wife and I said he seemed a little off. Again, he had some of these quirky behaviors, and we're like, you know, the doctor said, so no, no, he's fine, right? So this is our pediatrician, and you know, little by little, he would repeat words, like he would say, like, uh oh, spaghettios, but that was like a, a word he used all the time, you know. Oh, spaghetti goes, and he would say it over and over again. So it was just like really odd for us, you know, and little by little he started regressing and losing his speech. And it literally was like one day the lights kind of went out and is it, that, was, is it that just common? stopped. It is common. Cause I've heard it a lot of times, um, in a lot of families, um, this has happened. Uh, and again, we don't know the cause of that. Right. Um, but there's some who are born, don't ever speak and, you know, and then end up speaking. So, it, it's one of the mysteries of autism because we really don't know. You know, kind of like the causes. of like what speech therapists and
1: all that back then. Yeah, you know? we
2: did. You know, the speech therapy. And again, when, when I heard the words, you know, we went to finally get the diagnosis to, we had to go to a pediatric neurologist. We took him and he was the one that told us that my son had autism and I had no idea what autism was. The only thing I knew when you mentioned earlier was like Rain Man, yeah. you know, and Rain Man again, very high functioning. you and, were like, great. You know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going yeah. to make go a, a killing at blackjack <laughs> Yeah, table. exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and you look at, you know, Duffiston Hoffman and Tom Cruise in that movie and you say, okay, well that's, is that autism? And that was not what yeah. we were seeing. Right. Um, and I just remembered a doctor, I think, you know, made a very bold statement, you know, he's not going to be very affectionate. He's not going to love and, and all
0: those things. So it's like, it's very devastating at that moment. Oh sure. And, um. Because as a father, you have this little baby, especially a man. And I hate to say this because it is a masculine thing when you have your boy. Yeah, it is. It's it's not that your daughter is any less important to you, but. It's like, this is who's going to carry on my name. Absolutely. The
2: legacy of the family, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we say. And then, you know, I was a very good athlete, played a lot of sports. So you have a lot of dreams, right? And Aspirations for your- Yeah, you know, okay, we're going to play baseball. I mean, I was fortunate enough. I went went down to spring training and got to play at Yankee baseball camp and do some really cool things as a kid. I was hoping to be able to share that with my son. Um, You know, and then that was like, that was not going to be his future- It was devastating. I'm sure. You know, and um, in a way, it was almost like a loss. It was almost like suffering a loss of a loved one because, again, not knowing what the future is going to bring, not knowing a lot. And again, you're talking like 2005. There was very little information about autism out there at that time. There was very little. Um, So we didn't know a lot. And, you know, my wife kind of just shut down. She really didn't deal with it well. I think for me, but you still have another kid at home that you, I did. You yeah, got no, to, have to. And, and 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 you know <clears throat> I think and and most people don't know this because I don't talk about my daughter as much, but my daughter was was diagnosed right before that that she was legally deaf in both her ears too. Wow! So that was like, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but the scary part was that when her, she her brain the the five I guess the the nerve that's connected to her brain that was like fragmented and they were afraid as she was going to get older, that it was going to separate and possibly she'd be completely deaf. And that was like terrifying. Um, so imagine you got a five year old and like almost a two and a half, three year old. And like, you get this news as a parent, you know, and you're just like, and I think with with me, it's interesting. You know, some people, you know, start drinking, doing drugs, right? You get depressed, you get down, start so for doubting me, God. Yeah, you start having all these. I think for me, I buried myself in my work. I became a workaholic, and uh, work became my drug. I guess you want to say yeah. at that time, uh, built my business really strong, successful. But I um, I wasn't present for for probably about a year or two.
1: Was um, it? Do you think it was like run, like like drugs and alcohol? Was running away. Yeah, you think, so, you think yeah. your job was
0: you run away from. I've heard that before.
2: It's kind of like running away from a prairie fire. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's it, that was, you know, part of it. Obviously, I was there and providing, yeah. right? But that's not enough, right? And uh, so I didn't do a, a real good job out of the gate, you know. Um, but then I realized that, you know, I need to do something for my son. I need to find out some answers. And that's when I began my quest. Um, and then two thousand seven, um, we started even before that we started going to like support groups, and that was when the first like, okay, there is a little light at the end of the tunnel. And, but you
0: uh, had now autism is a there's a lot of autism diagnosis today, yeah there's a lot of them yep. Do you think that is uh, and again, this is hard to theorize this. Is it just they're identifying it and and when we grew up? Like we were talking about earlier, uh, there there were kids on the spectrum because I know autism is a very broad word, yeah, very yeah. vast. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you have high functioning versus nonverbal, you know, all all and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Was it just it was going undiagnosed for so long, and it was always present, and we just didn't see it?
2: I think it was that, and I and again, I think the detection got a lot better, and we were, we're definitely focused on it a lot more um, as we provided more services, and we started uncovering what autism is and how we, you know, the goal is, obviously, there's no cure for autism, right? We don't use the words
0: cure. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a disease, and yet. people use that. Right? I always say yet, and my uh-huh. son taught me that. Remember when we had my, my, we brought my son in for an episode, my 13-year-old. I think he was 12 at the time. And it was kind of like, what do you want to do when, you know, I forget what the question was, but he always attached the word yet afterwards. He's like, I want to play professional football. I'm just not a professional football player yet. There is no cure for autism. There was no cure for autism yet. Who knows what the future can hold? Hmm. You know, there's, and that's where all the research and the early detection comes in because maybe they'll just unlock. Well, that's the
2: goal, right? The goal is to make sure, I mean, as a parent, I want my son to live the best life he can. So I want to give him all the resources and available. And we tried everything. I mean, and when I think back, like how much money we spent on all these different, I call them summer snake oils. Um, (laughs) You know, we tried just about everything, but you have to try everything. Um, And we did. And, you know, I look back and I probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't change that. Um, And if parents ask me about like, Hey, well, what do you think about this treatment? I'm like, well, we tried that. And, you know, we did see, some benefits with some of the treatments. Um, like we did hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Um, he did about 42 dives. We did see an improvement in his sleep and just his some cognitive uh, functions. Um, but it definitely didn't, you know, because we were told, hey, this is going to unlock the key. And we've had kids where they start verbalizing and
0: speaking. Yeah. And that just, that's just not the case. You had said your wife sort of shut down. After the diagnosis of your son, did you replay the whole pregnancy in your head? Like, what did, did yeah, you know, there's a we lot did. of self-blame. We and did. Stuff. What did we do? We did. What yeah, happened?
2: Yeah. What did we get exposed to? Are we yeah. treating with the grass with uh, weed killers and all this? You know, yeah. I mean, we we went through the whole gamut of everything.
0: Oh. Well, there, there's, a, there's something I'm going to put it into perspective for our audience. Our, our audience, take something as simple as social media. You'll have one post that hits. Okay. And then you go back and you dissect that post and you say, what made it hit? and i i always thought about that with parents who who have a child with special needs any special need not even autism specific and they they go back and they dissect and say what did we do you take a lot of personal responsibility where yeah. it, it just you know there may not even be a cause no yeah
2: no, no and and uh, you know there's genetic factors right you know uh, obviously there could be a predisposed thing and that could trigger something you know again we just we just don't know we just don't know, and nobody
0: knows. No, that's no, that's the problem with it right now. No. So what changed though? What changed in your attitude towards your 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 wife is included in this? Yeah, no, absolutely. If we if we can, yeah. What changed in the attitude to say I, I got it? Like, was it a day? Was it an event? Or was it? A it process? was.
2: There was an organization back then
0: uh, called Kosek, and we went to
2: one of the support group meetings, and that was kind of sparked. Um, for, uh, for me personally, that's what was the spark for me that ignited to start hope saves the day and autism radio in the future, uh, because there were people talking about it as a parent, right? The struggles, the challenges the you know, the thing is when you have a child, right? Typically your child's going to sleep. Maybe they don't sleep for the first year or two. Right. And then finally they do sleep, right. And they, or sleep through the night, right? Our situation was almost 13 years where, this child did not sleep at all. Um, and oh, that was like torturous, yeah, you know, for us. Right. So literally he was po- finally fully potty trained at the age of 13. He was in diapers up until that point. Yeah. Can you imagine that? And then the worst part now he's big enough where, you know, he obviously goes to the bathroom in his diaper. Now he's smearing <laughs> this on the walls and stuff in the middle of the night. So now you're cleaning up
0: oh, shit, shit,
2: basically. And, uh, you know, that's a stressful thing to deal with that day after day and still be able to get up, go to work in the morning. My wife's still able to do, you know, her tasks and go to work, too, because she was
0: trying to work at one point. Um, we, we because tra- it is, even though he's, he's a child with special needs, you are still a parent. Yeah. And, and there are some universal frustrations oh, with okay. parents. Absolutely. You're like, oh, not, come on, not again. And you, yeah. it doesn't mean you don't love them. No. But you no. do get frustrated. You do. You yeah. do.
2: And if you, you don't know, mind I always, me asking, it had to take a toll on your marriage also. Oh, uh, I put a tremendous strain on oh, absolutely. Um, You know, probably even t- till this day, like still we're working through things, yeah. you know, it's absolutely. not easy, Um, <clears throat> but there's, it's, it's, it's a, it's a challenging thing. It's, it's just something that you have to, you have to do. And people say, oh, I don't know how you do it, but you have no choice. You have to, you're a parent.
1: You, you just have to do yeah. it. That's what, that's um, what our friend Derek said all the time. He's, you know, you know, how do you go on tour? He said, I'm a parent. I'm a parent first, and I'm a musician second. Right. You know i right. I brought this child into the world. I have to provide for him. I have to do everything I can for him. It's a responsibility. Yeah, It's a responsibility.
0: Well, yeah. no child ever asked to be born, right? right. They, you brought them. Yeah, we wanted to have kids. You
2: know, my uh, wife and I, you know, wanted to have at least two children. We were thinking to have th- three was our goal. But
0: then after Jonathan, we said, no, we're we're, we're not having more kids. <laughs> you know, I had a I had a friend of mine because I I had gotten a I had gotten a vasectomy very shortly after my second was born because I was done. You know, I was getting older. I just didn't want to have any more children. And I remember somebody saying to me, well, what if there's something wrong with this one? Because he was young. Right. What if there's something? Right. Motherfucker, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean if there's something wrong with him? You, 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 I'm just going to throw him in the way and start right. over? Throw right. him away and start over? Right. Like, yeah. what? No. I almost, I almost grabbed the guy by the neck because I got so aggravated at that situation because just because they got, other needs or they're not perfect in your eyes, right. doesn't mean I'm going to love them any less. No, no. So I, I... But it is a fear, though.
2: Yeah. That is a real fear. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and the hard part is it's, I hate to say it like this, but when my cousins or family members or friends are having children, I do get fearful for that because I don't want them to go through what I went through,
0: you I, know, and yeah, I, really, I, I really do pray you're, for that. You're tossing the dice every time yeah. you choose to have a child. You really it's are. True. It's true. You never know. I mean, it could be something as simple as the cord gets wrapped around the neck yeah. and yeah. cerebral palsy sets in, and that's Absolutely. what it is. But yeah. even so, I know I, my my cousin has Down syndrome, okay? And I know many parents of Down syndrome parents. I've never heard one say that they were unhappy with their children. I really, yeah. I know a lot of parents with autism, they love their children probably Absolutely. more than I love my children, which I, I don't think is possible. But.
1: Well, because it's the time you got to spend with them and the extra effort that you have to give that child, you know, it, it brings a closer bond. You know, like we were saying before, we we're talking about Special Olympics. I know a lot of Special Olympics parents who do nothing but dote over their kids. Sure. Right? You dope, know, it, it's like dope. the greatest thing in the world they
0: to don't. them. Now, your, your son, Jonathan, what is, have you ever had it measured what his mental age is?
2: Yeah. So if you had to categorize them, probably more like eight or nine years old, like in that
0: that range,
2: you know, okay. um, as far as his intellectual
0: abilities, um, well, it just gives people a gauge mm-hmm. of how they're how they interact with yeah. the world. And right? he's 19, so yeah, just yeah. to give you perspective,
1: how do you how do you communicate? Like, is he able to tell you like when he wants something or when he he's, needs something? He's or?
0: good
2: with verbal cues, like somewhat. Like what I mean by verbal cues is like he'll point. You know, and and sometimes he'll mouth things, and I can kind of understand him. He leads a lot of times by hand. He'll pull you and knows yeah. he's able to tell you what he wants. Um, I mean, we do have a very challenging life because we have to lock everything in the house. <laughs> uh, our refrigerator or freezers actually have locks on them, uh, our cabinets have locks on them. The Netflix account? Um, <laughs> No. Not the Netflix
0: account. So but. no, he he was watching our our friend Derek's child and he got a hold and ordered how much in uh, movies? A couple hundred dollars worth of movies. Oh, <laughs> on an iPad. He just had to go mm. shame oh my God. on Derek no. for leaving <laughs> no, young God. Derek with Mike. Yeah, shame on That was him. a mistake. Yeah. Oh boy. So getting all these alerts on your phone all these movies that are <laughs> Oh my God. Is he any is he self aware?
2: Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, you know, I think it all depends on his state of mind. Uh, we went through a pretty traumatic, um, experience with him last year. Um, for whatever reason, he decided to get up and get out of the house in the middle of the night. Wow. And, uh, he wouldn't come in the house. I was two o'clock in the morning and literally I'm like calling him. He's not coming. He's running around the yard. He's running away from me. And this lasted for hours. Like we're outside in the middle of the night. and it Was, was like, it a game for him? <sighs> It didn't seem like a game because he almost seemed like he was, I don't know if he was hurting or, or what he was going through, but it was almost like, um, I mean, the doctor, I ended up diagnosing him with like a manic episode. Um, and I don't know what triggered that. I have no idea. I mean, there's some correlations. They said, well, maybe because he was going through puberty, like really like, you know, he yeah. started growing facial hair. So it was, was his testosterone just starting to spike a lot at that age. Um, cause he developed later as a, as a child, it seemed like he was like delayed, even like, you know, um, developing. Um, so is you know, I don't know, but, but we went through this for, for a while. Uh, the worst, the worst night was I was coming home from work. I was actually, no, I was actually not coming up from work. I was coming home from a meeting and my wife calls me and she says, where are you? She says, I, where? She says, we're in the hospital. And I'm like, we're in the hospital. And he had, I guess. Uh, some kind of a a, a epileptic seizure. That's what I was going to ask if he had any seizures And, um, that was, that never happened to us. And my, my daughter happened to look over and he was under the covers and he was like twitching and stuff. And he had a grand mal seizure basically. Um, of course took him to the hospital. My wife took him. I wasn't even home. I felt, I felt so bad not being there for that moment too, because it's like, I should have been home, but I was actually at a, at my charity, like board meeting, you know, which we do annually and quarterly. And, um, I was like, I felt so guilty that I'm being there that night when it happened because it was like 11 o'clock at night this happened. But then shortly after that, he was still running out of the house, like continuously. Um, but the one night she called me, I was coming home from work again, and she said, He's gone. I said, What do you mean he's gone? She's like, I can't find him. And uh, obviously, I'm driving. I can't get home any faster, but driving fast, obviously speeding. I know you guys are officers. So. <laughs> Former, I, I was, sometimes there's I, good I, reasons. Anyway, go but I was I was getting home as quick as I could. Um, and I did call uh, my good friend who happens to live near me. He used to work for Passaic County Sheriff's Department. And uh, uh, we do have the Project Lifesaver. I work with yep, uh, yeah. Chef uh, Chief uh, Gene Saunders, actually, we're one of the licensed uh, organizations in New Jersey. And um, he uh, put out, you know, some calls and Said, hey, I got people on standby if you need to come out. And I said, okay, well, let me let me I'm almost there. I was home. And probably like before I even got home, my wife found him. And how she found him was, I know, traumatic for her. Where just envision this, that she's driving down the road, there's a pickup truck facing her, stopped in the street on a pretty busy road, Berkshire Valley. I don't know if you know where that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. He's walking. She sees someone standing in front of the road, which turned out to be my son and she's pulling up and he's in the road. And this guy was nice enough to stop and try to contain, him, but he was, he was not coming either. Yeah. And thank God the guy stopped number one. And number two, nobody came and hit him because he could have been killed very easily. I mean, there was people drive pretty fast yeah. on that road. Yeah. Um, but that was like, traumatic for her i was home at least with her but she was very much shaken up and i don't think she's truly ever got over that because a couple weeks later he was at cvs and he took off on her and she and she she panicked like so i think you know she needs to probably you know address that on her own level and again i don't want to talk too much about that yeah. but it's a very sensitive topic obviously but it's very real it's oh, yeah. a very real yeah, thing it's a very because um, that thought's always in your mind now, too. Yeah. What if he bolts now?
1: What
0: if he takes off? Right. What you know? Well, you have a whole new set of of worries. Like yeah. every parent has worries, right. but you have worries compounded. Yeah. To the nth degree. Yeah, and I mean it's like you know you probably suffer from some kind of
2: PTSD. Oh, I'm sure doubt. you know, and it's it's probably real in there, and you know y- your emotions go up, they go down, and you're always like on guard. It's, it feels like you're always like waiting for the other shoe to drop because you're like, what is he going to do? What is he going to get into? Um, You know, and this might sound funny for some, some of the listeners that might be listening, but like he has an obsession with soap, but like not in a good way where like I'll buy at BJ's a gallon of the Palm Ave soap, put it on the counter and next actually, you know, turn around, it's all spilt out the entire gallon. Is it the, the texture? Oh, he loves it. He loves the texture, but like he'll dump it without even thinking about it. And you get mad, of course, like you said, yeah. you get mad and you're like, Jonathan, what do you do? And you get upset at him. You yeah. like yell at him and he gets scared. Now he's scared. He's like, Oh, what did I and I'm like, What'd you do, dude? Like But the worst was I remember my daughter bought some very expensive like shampoo and conditioner. And well, when he got a hold of that and that went all done. over the place too. Done. Okay, but you know. you
0: still have to take care of his bathe or does he bathe himself? Oh, yeah.
2: No, I, I I'm the bather <laughs> uh every night, you know, he's got to have his shower and he has a routine and um You know, I have to have a towel on my shoulders because he's very protective of his eyes. Got to constantly wipe in his eyes, um, you know, because he doesn't like water in his face. So I have to do it a very certain way. Um, My wife tries to do it. She does it okay, but he's more comfortable with me, I think. Um, But again, it's it's you know, you think you got a 19 year old kid and you got to you got to bathe him. He's not a he's not a boy anymore. You know, he's, he's become a young man. And it's like, you know, every day it's like, that's my job you know is to bathe him every night and then obviously uh, you know his routine he's got to have his routine you know we have a, a glow turtle that glows up and it's got to be at the end of the bed on this other turtle and you know he can't not have it otherwise he gets upset you know so he's very regimented in his sleep the very routine um, regimented oh yeah. it's unbelievable you can't, you can't break it yeah. and uh you know it's hard and You know that's one of the things like we try to do with Autism Radio too is like do a date night where we'll have professionals come into people's homes and watch their their children so that the parents can get a night out because it's hard. Yeah. Because even like for my own family, like to watch my son is not easy. Um, But you you, know they're getting older now too.
0: So you have a you have a young baby at home and you are going to be a forever parent. Yeah. You're always a forever parent, but you're going to be forever parent of an eight year old caregiver, a caregiver, and you know young parents with with infants at home, they rarely get a night out, or especially when at a yeah. certain level, they sure. rarely get a night out. But that does that ever weigh on your mind as far as that's that's your life. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. I I
2: think, you know, sometimes I get frustrated. Maybe I get a little upset once in a while. Um, I mean I'm a pretty positive guy. I definitely, you know, tried to make lemonade out of lemons in my life, right? But there but I am human. And there is certain moments where, you know, it definitely affects you where you're like, I just want to have a normal life like my friends or, yeah. or your neighbor, you know, and but be then, able to just go out like, once like in like a while. like family dinners, like, you know? like going out to dinner. But you know, then the, you were – the
1: four of you allowed like, – Yeah, we do. Action.
2: We did. Well, so perfect example. My wife's birthday just passed um, on uh, Sunday, March 12th. So, wish my wife happy birthday. This, this <laughs> but, uh, but no, we got out to go to
0: dinner, and uh, you know he went out to dinner. And he was very good. He was going to take was... him to a grand saloon yeah grand Saloon yeah. and clifton is one of our sponsors oh really fantastic food okay. very low-key he might do well there but yeah, well, aside from that it, it's right. good as a chef you're gonna like it because it's good food. <laughs> all right well
2: we'll definitely have to check that out but you know it, you do you, you, when you go out it's like sometimes you don't want to go out because you might act up or you know start yelling your anxiety has got to be up it does you know what what happened you know you're always thinking
1: about like the what happened
2: yeah you know what exactly. happens if this
1: happens what happens if that happens
2: you know i, I i've learned to just Kind of deal with it. I mean, I used to feel bad because I didn't want to ruin someone else's evening, you know, by him making noise or or doing something. But I do feel most people are more understanding today than they were probably 10 years ago. Um, Because I remember in Disney World, true story. Uh, I was just
1: going to say vacations. We we were on vacation
2: and he was probably five years old and he was making a lot of noise and we were in line and someone said something. So now imagine this, you got mama bear, you know, how mama bears <laughs> and papa bear too, when it comes to our kids. Right. My wife says something like to this gentleman who said something and he really, I don't think he really meant anything about it. He's like, Oh, somebody's excited. But it was like, but she took it the wrong way and she said something. And I kind of was like, I mean, diffuse the situation, but I was like, you know, I don't want to get in a fight in Disney world and <laughs> get kicked out of the park. But, but, um, you know, she got a very Very sensitive. Yeah. Right. And I think we are sensitive to our kids in general, but then I think to the 10th level with special needs kids, you know, we're just that much more protective of them because they're not able to fight for themselves and protect themselves or
0: defend themselves really a lot,
2: you know? So that's a scary thing. But
0: I have to side with your wife on that one. If you're going to Disney world and you get annoyed by little children. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Disney World. It's supposed to be for children. Although a lot of adults use it's it. It's like being
1: annoyed do. by Mickey Mouse. So you go to Disney
2: World. I
0: yeah, know. exactly. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I don't like mice. Like we <laughs> talked about fear tonight. I don't like <laughs> mice, but I'm going to go to Disney World.
2: Yeah, well, he definitely turned around. He, he stopped after that. I was like, yeah. I was like, hey, if
0: it's your best interest just to turn around and enjoy your day. <laughs> There's a lot of pain and suffering that goes into caring for an autistic child. Yes, but there are some great things as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think about my, my kids when they were eight years old, best time ever, yep. they were my best friend, you know, they're my buddy and I'm always their hero. Now I got teenage, I got a teenager. It's, yep. yeah. it's, it's, it's different. It's changed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what what's some good things that have come out of your son, your relationship with your son?
2: Yeah. So we have like some really cool routines. So like normally, you know, you think you're, you know, you take your son to play ball or something like that, but he likes to go to the recycling center on the weekends but he's like awesome at it. Like, and I mean, awesome at it. He does all the work. I don't do anything. All well, I am is the chauffeur, basically drive him there. He, he he takes everything, puts in the car, organizes everything, and then the guys there love him because he's become kind of like part of the crew now. Yeah. So we can stay there for a couple of hours, and he'll throw cardboard in the cardboard. He'll take people's things out of their trunks. I mean, he he loves that. So I let him, they let him do that every weekend, which is kind of cool. And they say, Hey, Jonathan, and he gets all excited. He sees him bumps their, you know, fist bumps him and stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, So that's like a really cool moment. And then my good friend who actually is a state trooper uh, has a martial arts school and we started a martial arts program for kids with autism and, My son loves the martial arts. So that was a cool thing because I was a martial artist my whole life as a teenager, myself up until my adulthood, Uh, I was able to at least do that activity with him, which was really cool. So I think it's finding an activity to to connect to your child, no matter what that is, because there are things we can do. Um, You can't, you know, you got to, again, I always say to parents that have that new diagnosis, I said, I give you 24 hours to feel sorry for yourself. Now, 24 hours after 24 hours, it's about focusing on making your child have the best life it can possibly be.
0: Well, I love mm-hmm. that concept of of a of a job, and I know it's not a job for him, but it it sort of is. Yeah. It's a purpose. I go to uh, a coffee shop and they employ yes. special. Yeah. We were talking about that. Yes. My favorite place in the entire world. I don't give a crap. As a matter of fact, I bought a coffee mug from today. It was like eighteen dollars. I was like, whoa! But you know, but it's a good cause. It's a good cause, yes. and they're so happy that they all know all the kids know my name i don't go in there every day but i go in there probably twice a week right right and they all know my name they're happy to see me you go to one of your local chain coffees starbucks dunkin donuts or something you are a pain in the ass to them right exactly so i mean yeah what's greater than that and they're making money they're serving a purpose their parents are are happy to have them involved oh, in absolutely. something because absolutely. it gives them a little bit of normalcy yeah
2: no absolutely it, it just gives you that even if it's just a couple hours right it gives you that little reprieve of like hey you know what this is awesome
0: well you, we
1: talk about it all the time like when you get in one of those moods you got to get got to get into your safe place you know find something where you're comfortable whether it be the gym or something like that yeah the recycling place is
2: like the safe place for your son yeah you know that's no, where really is. he can go and yeah. be productive and the guy, guys are, are are amazing with him they <clears throat> yeah. they love him and it's funny, if I don't come Saturday and Sunday, they say, where were you yesterday? <laughs> it's, I mean, they literally, they they look forward to seeing him,
0: which is really cool. I'll bring all my recycles up to your house yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> what you do for your son in the recycling center is amazing. Think about what you're doing to the guys who are working at the recycling center. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, yeah they're working hard. And, and I'm sure a lot of them, especially on the weekends, don't want to come into work sure, sure. until they see Jonathan. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, wait a minute, I'm... He wants to do are you kidding me? Yeah, he right, wants to do right. what I do? Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. He motivates him. He yeah. really does. He really does. I had a couple guys
2: that, you know, for Christmas, they gave him little things and I mean that was really special. Yeah. And we you know, I've been doing it since he's probably for the last five, six years.
1: It was just a fluke you took him there one day yeah, to get him out of the house. Said, and...
2: I said, let's try this. And I, I handed him the bucket, you know, the, hey, dump this in the paper, hey, do this and that. And then now he literally knows exactly what to do and I don't have to do anything. Like yeah. literally he unloads the car himself and Puts everything back in the car, closes the trunk, and he's like, okay, we're good to go,
0: Dad. Let's go. You know, unless he has no, more. I was going to ask though.
1: you to drive there one day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dad, give me the keys. Yeah. So the the biggest fear I see with any parent with special needs, as I look at it, yep. is one day you're not going to be here. Yes, Your absolutely. wife is not yeah. going to be here. Yeah. And what's going to happen? Like, I know with my children, if I do my job, yep. they're they're on their own. They can do their thing. Is that something that creeps into your mind from time oh, to time? a lot.
2: Yeah, way, probably more than it should. Um, but it's reality as we get older in life, right? And, and of course, we never know how long we're on this earth anyway. Um, but yeah, that is probably one of my deepest, darkest fears. Um, not a lot of things scare me in my life, yeah, but, um, but that scares gotta me. got to be something that weighs on you constantly. That, that like, scares oh, yeah. me. And, and having a, a daughter, I don't want her to have that responsibility. And I've verbalized that to her multiple times. I don't know if she's going to listen or not, but, but I know, um, you know, he needs to, you know, we need to find a place for him where he's going to be safe. And, you know, unfortunately you're just going to never know. Nobody's going to take as better care as, obviously, as parents, parents, right? Um, So, you know, that's always a fear, right? Because, you know, I I cook for him. I, you know, we we do a lot of things. Actually, I I taught him some culinary stuff. He's been doing some knife cuts now safely with a cut glove on and, you know, teaching him some culinary stuff, not really cooking, but more like prep work. But, uh, but again, we do a lot of things together every weekend, you know, when I'm off and and I have a chance to connect with him. Is your daughter like the protective older, older sister? She's very protective. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. Too much. Like and that, and we butt heads because we're similar personalities. So we do, we do butt heads. She's a good kid. Great kid. Um, you talk to anybody, they love her. She's smart. She's, you know, thoughtful. Again, you talk about, you know, you hear the stories. Like, oh my God, your daughter is just amazing. Yeah. It's a great feeling, isn't uh, it? Which is the best, you know. But then at home, she gives me grief and we <laughs> fight, like, you know.
1: People say that all the yeah. time.
2: Your kids are such,
1: oh, yeah. such you know, your son's like, such a gentleman. Your daughter's so sweet. Oh, yeah. Come home yeah, with come me. Come
0: home one night. and live with her for a week. And, <laughs> and you want to throw her to the house, you know, So or, when, yeah. you, when you decided to, to start Hope Saves the Day and Autism yeah. Radio, what was your hope when you first got into that?
2: Yeah. So Hope Saves the Day, um, again, podcasting really new, 2007.
0: You got in there right? uh, went, early. Went, yeah. Went, yeah. yeah.
2: Went went uh first again, the support group. I actually had shoulder surgery. I was sitting on the couch, my buddy's a musician, and he's and I told him, I said, Hey, you know, I got this idea. I was thinking of starting this podcast. He's like, Oh yeah, you know, the podcast is pretty new. And like he says, Yeah, I can set you up. And we set up a Podbean account way, way back. And it was like brand new hosting site. We had to pay for it and it wasn't free or anything. And um so we said, Okay, we'll put it on there. And so I just started sharing my story about you know, some of the struggles and the challenges I was going through as a parent and, um, you know, had a couple hundred people start listening and, you know, it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And, uh, um, finally, then we, my brother had a website, he owned grapplers quest, which is a very large, uh, mixed martial art, uh, competition. And he posted our site, you know, used to put our show in, and a lot of people really loved the show. And then, you know, it was more about personal experiences. It wasn't about like the scientific or the, or the, you know, the news of what's going on or having guests, which the show merged into that later. Um, but it really, the foundation was just as a parent, like sharing those vulnerability stories with others that, Hey, you know what? You're not alone in this journey. And I wanted to be someone to share the dark side of the life yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. Um, but by sharing the dark brings the
0: light you know and and I know Kevin relates to this 100%. What, so it sounds like that group therapy that you started going to yep. is a continuation. And this is this yep. is where the similarities and Yeah, absolutely. In, I was uh, just thinking the same thing. It's yep. really weighing in cuz yep. this show here is a is a extension of group therapy that Mike and I were both in in the same place. And that's what it sounds like Autism yep. Radio is for you. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah.
2: You know, it's 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 really true powerful thing, right? I mean, and, and the name hope saves a day too which is very meaningful because hope does save a day and save your life possibly because hope is one of the most powerful things you could probably give to a parent with a child you know, well, yeah, i that mean has autism.
1: correct me if I'm wrong but you can't when you when you have a child with with autism you can't really I don't want to say give advice because every every child's different oh absolutely right so absolutely. you could just Tell them what you went through. I just and hope, share they, pick I, up, hope it. they pick up. Hope they pick something up. And up every
2: child is different, right? You um, should, you can't go up to a parent and say, "Do it this way, do no, it that way." Every no, everything's no, different. Every no, situation is no, different. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll leave it to the experts. Again, we have a lot of experts that now you know I've been on my program for years now. Um, you, you can name you know Temple Grandin. Obviously, she's an autism expert, right? We know she's top one hundred most influential, influential people, people in the yeah. world, right? But she's diagnosed with autism, you know. And, uh, she shared her story with us, which again, she can teach parents or individuals with autism. So that that's very powerful. Yeah, um, he, he did say that there. he had Jenny McCarthy on. Maybe that's one guest what we could get. I can't
0: get a Jenny McCarthy anywhere near you. <laughs> look at the look in your eye. It's like a predator. Oh, <laughs> you know? don't you want to creep around now yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to give her a creeper eyes yeah. she, she doesn't listen to our show anyways so. <laughs> but the might but, <laughs> but the hope you're giving to people yeah. just in the fact of your vulnerability uh-huh. yeah you know how many parents they just want to talk about it i mean if you look back I'm, I'm from i'm a south jersey kid okay all right and you look at the the story behind the jersey devil yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you know the story behind yeah, the Jersey Doe? Yeah. Yep. So Mrs. Leeds had 13 children. She, they were so, their 12 children were so bad. She wished the third one was going to be a devil, popped out of yes. his stomach, started terrorizing the area. Right. The reality of the Leeds family, which is still a very big prominent family down there mm-hmm. is by the time she was having her 13th child, she was probably a little bit older. As we know, women who have children later in life, there's a higher likelihood of some sort of disability. Yeah. And in those days, when you had a child with disability, you didn't tell nobody. You didn't. There was no support groups. No. There was no autism radio. No. So you hid the child away. Right. And what happened, what they think happened, from what I've read, is when the child hit 13, 14, became a man, was probably grotesque. It was probably deformed by their standards, broke out. And what's the first thing it's going to do? It's going to look for food. So it started killing sheep or killing, a, right, killing right. livestock and right. things like that. And that's how the myth grew. Right. But look how far... We as a human race have come yep, to now. Sure. We have we have programs such as yours identifying the problem, putting it out there in the limelight, and saying, "No, we can we can work with this. We yeah. don't have to hide this away anymore." Absolutely, that's important. That's important work that you're doing. And then, out of all the the shows that you've done over what is it, sixteen years now? Or yeah. Si- yeah, sixteen years yeah. now. Was there one that stuck out as like, wow? Like really eye opening.
1: The Suffering Podcast.
0: Yeah. Besides the Suffering Podcast, <laughs> that's a given. Yeah.
2: It's a great show, guys. <laughs>
0: uh, no, I,
2: I. That's tough. That is yeah. tough. Um, not to downplay any of your of your previous. No, no. I. I, your I other guests. You but, mean guest, or
0: you mean personal? Like something I shared, maybe. That either, most... either or, because there's moments in this show where Mike and I will will. We'll call each other on the way home and we're like, whoa, okay, whoa. Wow. Yeah, whoa. That, that, that was a good one.
2: Right. right.
0: Um, and I'm sure there's those moments that you have recording your show.
2: Yeah, I think uh I shared a pretty dark moment. Um, my personal story with my son. Um, we were just going through again, really hard times with him every day and every night. And um, you know, you you talk, you know, this is obviously a very sensitive subject, but you think you know, talk about suicide, right? You start mm-hmm. thinking dark thoughts yeah. and your, your mind goes to places. And, of course, that changed for me very quickly, but started talking about that. And I must have got probably a thousand emails saying I've gone through that. Hundred times, and w- I. What's I the suicide
0: crazy. rate for children with parents of children with special needs? I don't know what the rate
2: is. Um, I know that divorce is like seventy yeah. percent. Divorce, yeah, it's very high for divorce. I don't know about suicide, but welcome to the police world. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 rough though. It's it's definitely there's there's a lot you hear it a lot, um, and you hear these terrible stories where the father takes the mother, the family, and with them too, um, yeah. which is awful. Um, but. You do go to a very dark place because you you can't sometimes cope with it, right? It's hard to cope with it. And I think we talked about this, Kevin, on our show when you were on. You know, men are really bad at expressing our feelings. Expressing our feelings, We just don't know how to fucking do it. Honest, we don't know how to do it. So it's Um, the macho male syndrome. And it's hard. It's hard to really talk about it. But, you know, you go through different ways of like, you know, (laughs) I was saying one day I'm like thinking about different ways how I would end my life, right? And this was... What I was going through, but like part of me is like, uh, I don't want to shoot myself. I don't want to do this. I don't want, you know. You think about all these different ways, and I, you almost talk yourself out of it. But then you think, like, what am I crazy? Like this is yeah. this is crazy thoughts, but they're there. <clears throat> you they're go to and, and
0: they're real. Oh, you yeah. go to that real. dark place. They're and, real, and people don't get that. People who have never been in that position, people don't understand because they're, they're trying to rationalize an irrational thought, yeah. which is impossible to do. Yeah. People don't understand that you're not thinking about what you're leaving behind. You're not thinking about the good things in life. No. You're in this place no. where in nothing dark. matters no. and you're focused on a task. And yep. for a short time, you yep. become somewhat insane. Yeah, you, you lose you touch start,
1: reality. You start thinking about ways of doing it. Yeah, And places of doing it.
2: Yeah. yeah. You, know? you know, you think, oh my God, I don't want my family to find me. Do I want to do it in the woods? You know, I live in the woods. I could go out there. I can hang myself. I could do this. You know, and you need, and you literally start playing an yeah. the, it out, almost
0: planning it. But then, you know, you're Been, like, done that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be food for animals. No, I want them to no, find I, me half
2: eaten. But that's a good thing because <clears> it actually <throat> stops you from doing it. Right? Yeah. So what's the, 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 what's the disconnect there is like some people will go through with it. Right. That's, that's so what holds you back, right? So I, I got, and this was powerful because I had, again, probably a thousand emails come through and I had one mom, single mom from Texas, right? And she says, I go through this every day. So I listened to you talk and I felt like I was okay. And she goes, what I mean by that, and I'll, I'll never forget this. What I mean by that is that these thoughts are not so abnormal because you're sharing your story and I'm going through the same thing. And it also made me realize that I have a bigger purpose to live for for my child, because that's what I shared with the story. Because again, I have to be for for my child. Again, just mentioned it earlier. My greatest fear is not being here for my child. So yeah. why would I commit suicide? So why suicide? would you commit suicide? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is probably the saving grace, right? When you, when you talk about it and, you know, obviously I believe in God and uh, I do believe that we're supposed to be here and do, do our duties. Um, do God's you know, work until yeah, until exactly. God calls you. Until it's my day and he says, okay, you know, this date, such and such dates, your time is up, right? It's not for me to determine it. So, um, but but it, it, it's tough being in that dark hole, isn't it? It really is.
1: When, when you it get is. down
2: that road and, and, like you said, you're starting to think about yeah. ways of doing it and yeah. where to do it. and Absolutely. And it's just. Absolutely. And honestly, I never talk publicly. It's probably the first time other than my show talking about it. Because even even just talking about it takes me back to how that feeling yeah. was. It was it was
0: bad. But it what it does bad. when you let that stuff out and you let yourself be vulnerable, it humanizes you. Yeah. You're not just a talking head anymore. Right. You're a real person. Right. You're putting you put normal emotions. And yeah. they, guess what? Everybody gets down. And yeah. everybody has their own moments when they get st- stuck inside their head. But it's how you get out of those and you continue to move forward. That's what yeah. really saves the day with your yeah. hope. Absolutely. And it really
2: that's makes true. you
0: stronger. It
2: mm-hmm. does. No, 100%. Yeah. Um, You know, autism has taught me to be a better person, to love more, right? And patience. That's probably the biggest one. The patience one. That's a big yeah, one. The patience, patience is, is a big huge. One.
0: If, you, if you were to see a parent who has a young child or an infant recently di- re- recently diagnosed with autism out of your own life, what do you think you would, t- would teach them? Or what do you think you would tell them? What's some advice you would give them? Well, first, I'd like to hear from
2: them. I kind of like them to tell me a little bit about themselves and about their story, right. And what they're going through. Um, so case by case, I can give them some advice. Obviously I don't <laughs> consider myself an expert, although people say I am an expert on the subject, because but it, it's parents. advice but, that,
1: that you went through.
2: Yeah. You tell them the I'll way you dealt with this it. This is what I would have yeah. done differently, or this is what I did. And this actually worked well, you know, a lot of children have sensitivities to food, right? So what I like to do is, I always recommend bringing the child into the process of making the food because I really do think that makes a difference. Because if they are part of the process, they're more likely to try it. It excites them more, yeah. and that's actually led to a lot of our successes. Well, I'm actually finishing up my book. Hopefully, it'll be done one of these days. But been working it for five years.
0: You got to get us um, a copy because yeah. we become this this library in oh, here oh, really? of authors. Okay. Yeah, it's All it's, right. it's, it's, it's well, my like book, everybody... my book.
2: So I've you know I have recipes. I mm. wrote a lot of recipes because I went with the gluten free, casein free diet, which was very possible, uh, very popular thing back in the day. I wrote by couple hundred recipes, which I used to post on my website for free. Um, But now I have them all in this basically book, which has stories with my son. And um, again, you have to create activities. It's a little more work, but I'm telling you the payoff is huge Uh, because once I started doing these activities with my son, cooking with him and getting the interest and letting him see, even just touch the carrots and touch the things. And because, and I, and then I taste it with him and then he would taste it because Typically kids will mimic what they say, right? So again, it's it's having a lot of patience because he might just take a little bit, but he's not going to eat much and he's done with it. Don't push him. Yeah. Don't ever push too much on your kids, right? But the other thing was- We should take some advice from that from, with, our, with our children. I never catered never. to him either though. So that's the other thing. It's like I did go a little bit old school because again, my mother said, this is dinner this is what you get and you don't get anything else. Parents today are a little too much- My wife does it. Flexible. She drives me out of of my mind. Oh, we don't want to eat this. I'll make Mike a hamburger. I'll make him a hot dog, or I'll make him chicken nuggets. No, you're eating that. No, and and you know what? That's that's what's wrong with the picture, because you're setting up that child for failure. Because if you're catering to them, and then they turn around, they say, well, my son only eats chicken nuggets. Well, that's because probably that's what's easy, because we had painful nights where we would sit at the table and try to get him to eat, and he wouldn't eat. But eventually, he ate. He's not going to starve. Eventually, you going to eat. He yeah. will eat.
0: See, that's how I knew I <clears> wasn't and was a statistic.
2: That was a little bit of tough love, right? That was a little bit of tough love. And so that was not easy. And some parents might not agree with that philosophy, but, but we did do that with him. And we would lay out the same foods, but I would just present it differently to him. So it's not like I'm cooking separate meals, yeah. but I'm presenting it differently. And I could do that as a chef because I could, yeah. you know, yeah. I was able to present it differently.
0: See, so. I, being rock headed, would always outweigh my parents. If I didn't want to eat something, they're like, all right, you're sitting at the table. And I wouldn't, yeah. I'm like, all right. Well, my mother would put it in the fridge and put it out the next day. So right. My
2: mother was old school.
0: I, and, and guess what? I would have sat there that day. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where can our, where can our audience find you?
2: Uh, so obviously they can go to autismradio.org. Uh, of course, our podcast Hope Saves a Day is on all the different platforms, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, um, you know, iHeartRadio. Uh, of course, they can go to the website, which of course our show plays once a week um through instagram as well yeah we're on Instagram. i'm not great at social media but i'm gonna be honest i'm not a social media guru. Nah, me and you're, both. You're, you're actually better than me guys <laughs> um but you know i'm starting to do the instagram the last year i'm a little behind uh but i do have a, we do have a pretty good facebook following we're probably gonna in-
1: instagram is hope saves the day uh
2: no Aut- instagram is the uh official autism radio uh and then uh we have a autism radio facebook page as well where people can find out um about more about us. So.
0: You don't have to write this down, everybody. Well, it'll all be in our show notes. Check it out. Everything will be listed there. And uh, you know, we're coming to the end of this thing here. And I always try to end with the same thing because if you go through suffering, such as, you know, a lot of people are going to listen to this and say, I can't imagine how you do this. But it, unless you learn something from it, it's really a wasted opportunity. So, what do you think your suffering of dealing, of being a parent with an autistic child, has taught you?
2: Uh that's a, that's a big question. I always think a couple different things. Number one, it's made me a hundred percent. I said, better person. It's, it's definitely made me be more compassionate and empathetic towards others. Um, no, patient and no, patient. I think mm-hmm. those are probably the biggest ones for me, but I think, um, hope saves the day. Autism radio, which I mentioned, um, are also the way I channel some of the challenges I deal with. Right. It's therapeutic. It's it's very therapeutic to me because helping others actually helps heal your soul. And I do believe that. And I think you guys are doing that really well as well, that you're sharing a very personal story, very tragic story, which could have been worse. Right. But it was still a tragic story that you're sharing, which is very powerful. And, uh, you're helping so many
0: people. So, well, this, so women and men deal with, we talk about men not being able to let go of their emotions. Women practice self-care by going and getting their hair and nails and toes done. Yeah. And men, at least for me anyway, and it seems like for you, and I'm pretty sure it's for Mike, our self-care is sitting in rooms like this, having these discussions and really getting it out. Because guess what? At the end of the day, when I get it out and I get it off my chest, I feel better. And I'm I'm not going to speak for you, but I think that's pretty much. Well,
1: you know. I, and we talk about it all the time. I mean, I only live a half hour from here. Those rides home are so exhausting you know just sitting here listening to to what people are going through it it takes a lot out of you you know but it it, like you said it's therapeutic for you getting it off your shoulders Absolutely, it's therapeutic for us too but those rides home it's like i'm in a daze before i know it i'm even home like how
0: the (laughs) hell did i get here (laughs) really puts your life into perspective yeah it really does. does it does and i think
2: uh you know but i always look at it like this there's always someone that has it worse out there right too that's and a I hear, and I, and I hear the stories that are told to me just like if, you know, again, you say, oh, okay, I have a tough situation and you listen to someone else share their story with me and they're, and then you're like, wow, you know, and and I've been fortunate enough again, autism radio nonprofit 501 C three, we did hope for the holidays. We went, we picked 12 families that I got to go to their houses and deliver Presence Santa comes and elves come, and it's a very cool thing that we do. Again, we we helped about 135 families total this year, but 12 families we select that we go to their homes and give them a little more of a holiday experience and 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 some you know fun and and gifts too. We give them real help and hope for the holidays, and uh, you know you see some of the conditions of some of the children that are there. They they have not only the cognitive challenges, but they're physically. You know, they have physical limit, limit yeah. limits too. Um they're in wheelchairs. Wheelchair they're, bound. They're they're in beds, they can't get yeah. out of a bed. And it's just like you see that and it really like resonates as like, you know, as bad as obviously sometimes I look at myself, okay, we have challenges, but then you see them and you're like, Wow, well, you know, we're actually pretty lucky because we could always be a lot worse.
1: Yeah. So I do
2: I do use that as a powerful tool to and sometimes it centers you a little bit too. Um, you know, there's always somebody
0: out there going through something worse than you. Well, if anytime you can say it could always be worse, no. then it can really, Oh, always, absolutely. Anytime absolutely. you, you, you can say that as a good day. Yeah. Paul, thank you so yeah. much for coming in. Well, with thank us you guys. Today. This is amazing. It, it, thank you guys. And thank you for
1: being you, man. I mean, you're a yeah. special person. You really thank you. are. Thank you. And you know, like I said, be, being involved in special Olympics, like I am, I, you know, I see a lot of people, you know, yeah. like you that, that are, are kind and compassionate and, and really have that love for that child where I'm sure there's some other families out there that
2: Really don't, you know, don't want to deal with it. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. They'll bury their head in the sand yep. and they rather not deal with the whole thing. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I, I try to do is to give people hope and help and support that they need. You know, we try to be, again, grassroots uh, charity that's kind of filling some of the gaps. So,
1: well, listen, Any anything you're doing, make sure you reach out to us. We'll, we'll get involved. You know, Thank once you. you're here, you're part of our family. So well, we try to help and out in likewise, any way. We can.
2: And likewise to you guys, too. Um, very, fortunate enough this there's no meetings by accident i think kevin and i said it to each other but uh, it's true everybody met for a reason yep. so
0: well, i appreciate you paul thank you so much for coming in oh uh, you. man you gotta make crack my my back just cracked like four times <laughs> that's gonna do it for this episode of the suffering podcast as always let's think about all the stuff that we learned we want our children to have a better life than we had no child ever asked to be born purpose is living for something bigger than yourself, but most importantly, it's hope saves the day. That's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast. Check out popple.com. Get your bus- your digital business card. Don't forget to follow us on all social media, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Felice. Follow me, real Kevin Donaldson. And of course, follow The Suffering Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode.